Welcome to the Child Care Council's Chit Chat Podcast, where we talk about all things early childhood education and child care. I'm Courtney Jones. I'm a parent of two kids and by no means an expert on child care, but I know people that are. I'll be sitting down every week with experts to learn more myself and share my conversations with you. Today's episode is a fun-filled episode made in collaboration with the Home and Classroom team. We sit down to play some games and learn about the agencies that we work for. Make sure to check out their podcast after you give this one a listen to hear about all the great work our neighbors are doing. Hello, we're here today with a collaboration episode between Home and Classroom and Child Care Council Chit Chat. So I'm one of your many hosts today. My name is Rachel Mandel. We have... And I'm Hannah Wise. And I'm Courtney Jones. We're all here together. This is fun. Yay. Yeah. You could listen to us on either pod. So maybe I'll listen to it twice, once on mine and once on yours. Or do the headphones. So one headphone in one ear and the other, and then do it kind of a bolt. Ooh. <laughs> get, those, get them lined up. Those listens. Perfectly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Awesome. So today, what are we going to talk about? Who wants to start us off? Well, we are going to be diving into talking about kind of what we do for a living, which is working at a CCRNR. So we're going to talk about things about childcare and CCRNRs. Yeah, I'm excited. I feel like, you know, our podcast has been going on for a while now. And we're, I feel like we're really throwing it back to the beginning. Now we're, we're talking about who are we? So I think that most people listening, maybe not, you know, Hannah's uncle and back in Ohio or something. Yeah. Most people have some clear idea of what uh, CCRNR is, but there's so much to say. So hopefully you learned something today, even if you've been, you know, in the childcare world even longer than, than we have. Mm-hmm. And just to, you know, for Rachel and I to introduce ourselves to all the folks that are familiar listening with, you know, through childcare chit chat, we work at Brightside Up, which is a CCRNR based in the greater capital region and then for all of the um, home and classroom listeners that Courtney's voice might be unfamiliar, um, Courtney works for the Child Care Council of Cornell Cooperative Extension and hosts the podcast Child Care Council Chit Chat. So, and that's kind of how we merge. Just, you know, we're two CCRNRs that had podcasts and we're like, you know, we should try to do those together. Neighboring podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> One of the many ways that CCR and ours collaborate, which exactly. we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. All right. So do you want to just kick it off with a little little question to ask each other to get a feel here? So um, what brought you to work in a CCR and R? Like, what's your story? You want to go first, Courtney? Yeah, I'd love to start. So um, I actually... Uh, when I went to college, I couldn't stop picking up degrees. Um, everything that I took a class in, I was like, oh, I'm interested in that. I'm going to do that. So I have just a bunch of degrees under my main degree, which uh, is Spanish language, <laughs> uh, ironically. Um, I, but that, as, I would have not guessed that, Courtney. <laughs> no, no. And there's a million other ones that are basically, it's my degree is essentially in talking to people in like four other separate formats of like, oh, I've got a certification in this, 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 and this, and I can just talk to people. But as part of my Spanish degree, they had you go into, um, it's a dual language preschool. 
and you worked with the teachers and the kids, and it was part of getting your degree is that you had to spend a minimum requirement of, I don't know, a certain amount of hours in these classrooms helping the children, and it basically was exposure of the language. Um, and it really ended up being helping the teachers and supporting the teachers with children who are learning two languages. And it was, um, I was mostly in the three-year-old room, so toddlers. Uh, but it really fueled a passion for me with working with kids. And um, my degree is also in communication. So when a position came open for a place that I could help support teachers, help support child care providers, um, help children develop, it was a no-brainer for me. What about you guys? You want to go, Rachel? Um, so I have a similar, maybe a little bit similar story. So I was first an English major with a few, you know, minors in there as well. Um, one was education, but the others were not. So um, I took a lot of sociology, a bunch of different things that kind of led me to where I am today in a very sort of crooked path, but I think it was all important. So I did that. And then I worked in child care for quite a bit. My brother had a child care that he was running. And then I also worked in a couple of others while I was in undergrad and then sort of post-college. And then I went back to school to become an RN. And I was an RN in the hospital. And then I had my first child. And I remember just sort of like perusing the internet for other options of careers because I was really tired working, you know, 14 hour days in the hospital. Um, and with a baby, saw, with a baby, with a new baby. And I saw, you know, this opportunity to work with childcare as an RN. And it just felt like immediately from when I read the, the ad, I didn't have any idea that it, this existed to be a childcare health consultant but I knew I wanted to do it. So I interviewed, I started going through the process and also a little like side note to it is I remember I called my mom and told her, of course, you know, what I was doing and that I was interviewing and my, I didn't know this. I had forgotten this, I guess, but my grandmother started a CCR in our, in our hometown. So she, yeah. And you know, back early days of funding of CCR and so it felt really like cosmic in some way, you know, it just all makes so much sense. And now I'm here and I'm never leaving. So yeah, all paths led me here. What about you, Hannah? Yeah, kind of similar, like a kind of a combination of you two, but I, you know, I am a dietitian and I did major in dietetics. So (laughs) stick to it. I know who would have thought, um, but I've always been really interested in kids. Like my mom always reminds me of that, that like I've, you know, since I was like 10, I said I wanted to do something with kids. And I've also always been pretty passionate about like food and health and all that stuff. And I did my dietetic internship at Keene State College in New Hampshire. And it was through that that I really started exploring farming and sustainability and like the importance of eating as close to home as possible. And just got really into like, how does our food grow and how do our food systems work and all that stuff. Um, and then when I finished up that year, I was looking for a job and it was kind of like what Rachel said, like you read a job description. And I was like, did I write this? Because I think that, you know, it's like aligned farm to preschool, which is, you know, the main job I'm talking about aligned, like working with kids, working with farmers, working in the community, um, exposing kids to new food, gardening, like it just put together all of the stuff that I love to do. Um, so I applied, I had no idea what a CCRNR was. I like, didn't even, 
like at the time we were the child care council of the capital district child care council it's a very long name coordinating coordinating yeah I forgot that <laughs> you know super long name but I applied and I got the job and I still believe it was you know a position that was created for me by someone who was like this girl needs to combine all these things so um <laughs> Yeah, and been here for going on five years. You'd love to visit our office because what's really interesting about our agency, which is a little different than yours, so we're part of Cornell Cooperative Extension. We're like a sub-program. Um, and as part of Cornell Cooperative Extension, we house agriculture programming right in our office. So we work with all of our local farmers. We are the lead agency for, um, or we, Oh, um, we run the Oneida County Farmers Market. We have farm to preschool programming. We have agriculture economic development. So we have all of these. Um, we have horticulture programming. We're on a botanical garden for our office that's run by Master Gardener volunteers. So it's you. You need to visit oh, our office. So You'd cool. love it. You'd love yes. it there. I'll have to take a field trip. Mm-hmm. Just a field trip, though. We sure think that you can't steal Hannah. <laughs> she'll, be, she'll be moving so she can work on a in a beautiful garden. That'd be a long commute. <laughs> it is a long commute. Okay. Benefits of working together, though, and having good partnerships, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, we'll get to see it. <laughs> All right. So we thought we'd really kick off the meat of this episode by playing a game. So we came up with a game called the CCRNR Dash, and each contestant, the contestants will be Courtney versus Rachel, um, <laughs> will have 10 seconds to describe a service offered at a CCRNR. We'll play three rounds. I'm going to set a timer. A buzzer will go off after 10 seconds. Um, and then if we're tied at the end of those three rounds, we will go into a tiebreaker round. Ooh. Everyone understand the terms and conditions here? I do. I got my little post-it to keep track. <laughs> okay. Who's going to go first? Let's see whose birthday is coming up sooner. July. Okay. October, Courtney. so you win, so Courtney. Courtney goes oh. first. Okay. I'm going to set my timer. All right, Courtney, you ready? Got 10 I'm seconds. Ready. Okay, ready? We help people start child care programs. We uh, help them do business. Um, oh, 10 seconds. Oh, is that, quick. Was oh. <laughs> that was fast. That was fast. I know. I got you guys. Okay. Um, one point for Courtney. One point, yeah. <laughs> one point. Well, now I know. Maybe I should just speak really fast. Okay. Yeah, go, go fast. Go faster than I did, okay. please. Okay. Let's <laughs> see how many I can get. Okay, Rachel. And we keep in mind we have three rounds. So Oh, I'm I'm gonna say multiple. We're doing it. We're going for it. Okay, but you can't repeat any of Courtney's or else I'm gonna buzz you. All right, okay. Okay, ready? Healthcare consultancy, referral, CPR, infant toddler services, infant toddler mental health. Oh I got a lot. You got four. I I would say you got four. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so that's round one. You have some making up to do, Courtney. Good luck. I know, I know. I'm I'm lagging behind here. <laughs> I would. You would think that going first had its advantages. It did not. It <laughs> did well. It had its advantages for Rachel to see how quick that timer goes. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Got them all out. Okay. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Three, two, one, go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, advocacy, technical assistance, visits, technical assistance through the mail and through email and phone, um, uh, uh, health, health, safety training. <laughs> Everyone's going to be so sick of that. Okay, four for Courtney. Okay, catching you're catching up. You're catching yeah. up. Yeah, it was pretty good to get four things out in 10 seconds. I don't know. Really hard. I'm stressed. I'm a little stressed. Okay, are you good, Rachel? Ready? Three, two, one. Registration, um, medication administration training, infection control trainings. Uh, oh, oh, ah! <laughs> <laughs> The buzzer okay. really adds to the drama. I know. Okay. So going into the final round, okay. Brittany has five. Rachel has seven. So we are close here. We are neck and neck. And you've already said 12 things. So you're going to mm-hmm. have to keep. There are so many though, but we just have to remember them off the yes, top of our head. True. I know. And when you're on the spot, it's like, oh, um, all right, Courtney, you ready? I'm ready. All right, three, two, one. Parenting education, CDA credentials, um, uh, directors meetings for child care center directors. Um, nice ones. Hey. Those were a lot of the ones that I was just thinking of. That was, that was three. So you just need one more though, Rachel. That's <laughs> yeah. the thing. So, so maybe we can trip you up. Maybe I'll see. All right start the timer now because I really want to go on the, the tiebreaker. All right, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we were actually playing the game and not trying to get to the tiebreaker. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's all good. Are okay. you ready, Rachel? Ready. Okay. Three, two, one, go. CACFP, disaster preparedness, regulations, playground safety, home visiting, uh, documentation and... Wait. Wait, what, what was the last one? I'm not I was trying that. to, I was, I was going down a road. I don't think you can count it. I was going to talk about the classes that we do sometimes on effective documentation, but I don't think I accurately described it. I'm going to be honest here. That one doesn't count. Well, yeah, I wasn't going to count it because you got cut off by my buzzer, but I was interested oh, in what it was. I thought I was being kind by not allowing you no, to no, count no. it, but you were being ruthless. Okay. But you did get five. It's impressive. So Rachel, Rachel. and I think that was the record round. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Wow. The most impressive of rounds. The most really impressive round. I'm fine losing to that. I was impressed. And also <laughs> upset that I couldn't remember CACFP because that's a quick one to just get out in there. I Those know. Those are the easy points. I was waiting for you to say it, but you didn't. Yeah. Oh, didn't. Yes. Would, and that's not even close to all the things that we do. Oh, no. That was, okay, so, you know, that was, what, 60 seconds, and we listed off 15, well, 20 different services that CCRNRs do. So that is um, pretty incredible. What would happen if we went for, like, five minutes? <laughs> it would be pretty, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. <laughs> So we had a couple of fast facts that we wanted to share with everyone about CCRNRs. Um, Courtney and Rachel just went over like, you know, lightning round, a lot of services that are offered. But nationally, 96% of CCRNRs across the country help families find childcare. Another fact is that 51% of CCRNRs or childcare resource and referral agencies, have we said that yet? 
administer child care financial assistance programs. And along with that, 80% of the CCRNRs connect families with social service programs. A lot of percentages. Yeah. And a lot of help. A lot of help. So the origin of CCRNRs at the national level actually um, stemmed from a growing demand in the 1960s and 70s for working parents to find a safe and reliable childcare space. Um, And this was initially caused by the influx of women going back into the workforce. Um, So these social and political forces prompted a nationwide CCRNR to be established, and they were founded on three foundational needs, um, three big needs of the nation at our time. The first one that is that families need access, families need to access consumer education and childcare referrals. And then the second one is that communities need to build a supply and improve the quality of childcare in the area. And then lastly, the last main big pillar was that there was employers need for a childcare system that would support a productive workforce. Those are three main pillars that hold up, you know, CCRNRs nationally. That last bullet. The last one. Yes. I was just thinking of that too. What were you going to say about it, Courtney? Uh, Just that last bullet is one that we've definitely talked about a lot recently because we've just seen that need more and more for people to get back to work or for people to go to work, how important and critical that childcare infrastructure is. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we throughout this pandemic, just kind of identifying childcare as the essential work that it is you know, doing this work and everyone who's in this work and particularly the child care providers always knew that, but it's really sort of showing it to the rest of the world in a way that feels, you know, it feels like they should have been saying it sooner maybe, but, you know, we, we really are in a, you know, field that's necessary for almost everything else that comes next. Absolutely. Yeah, and then the other thing that we want to talk about if we're talking about, you know, child care resource and referral agencies. So, you know, Hannah kind of explained the national level of what that is and how it started. And then beyond the national level, sort of the next tier is the state level. So all the states have different, um, you know, agencies that sort of oversee the local level, which we'll talk about in a second. But ours is Early Care and Learning Council. So ECLC, as we all know and love, They're the New York State statewide not-for-profit membership organization, and they represent all 35 child care resource and referral agencies that are in New York State, including both of ours. Um, And really what they do is they work with OCFS to really strengthen what we can do within our agencies. Um, They describe themselves as sort of helping that relationship, and I think that's very true. They've been around since 1975, and... In a whole bunch of different ways, you know, they try to take on leadership in improving the quality care of the quality of early care and education, you know, similar to what we do, but we sort of can all come together under them. Yeah. And like you had said, there's a CCRNR in each county. So across New York State, there's 35 CCRNRs. So wherever you live, wherever you are, there is a child care resource and referral agency to help you. Um, And there's one for each of the boroughs in New York City as well. Um, 
And the services that are at each CCRNR vary slightly based on the needs of the community. But regardless of where you live, there's a CCRNR that can help you. I think it's so interesting that the services, I mean, not interesting, but, you know, we we can all sort of meld together to meet what we need in our community. So what we do at Bright Side Up, while it's really similar to what you do in a lot of ways, you know, our lightning round just showed us that it's not exactly the same, right? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of variation depending on the area, the services that are available elsewhere. So for example, not only um, not only are we a, a sub-agency under a bigger umbrella agency, but we don't have the registration contract. So we don't have licensors or anything to do with that, um, uh, that side of becoming a child care provider. We are more basically a standalone education and assistance agency for, for our child care providers and our parents. Yeah, that's interesting. And we do have that. They're right across the hallway. So we have registrars that work with school age and um, family childcare. And, you know, that's that's something that's needed in our community. So so we meet the need. And, you know, even down to sort of the, you know, that's quite large group that we have here. So it's a big example. But even down to some of our smaller, you know, grant funding opportunities that we seek out, it's always based on what you know, our community needs. So it's going to look different from other CCR and ours. And that's, that's sort of the beauty of it is that you look and you see what's going on here. Um, and some things are, you know, pretty similar across the board, you know, the need for new quality childcare and strengthening current childcare is, is everywhere, but maybe some of the other things are, are different. So maybe we could talk about sort of how we got here. Like what, what is the history of childcare in general? Um, I don't know. Do you want to kick us, kick us off, Hannah? Sure. I'll kick us off. Um, <laughs> yeah. We thought it would be important to start exploring the history of childcare and how, you know, we got to the period of time where we do have CCRNRs in every County. Um, I will preface this by saying that we are not complete experts in this area. Um, the three of us picked um, points on the childcare timeline that were interesting to us and kind of did our own research. So I'm going to talk about the beginning of childcare in the U.S., which actually began um, with enslaved African women caring for their owner's children. Um, and this is a common theme throughout um, the 1800s and 1900s is that, you know, um, that like black women were caring for kids that weren't their own. And then there ended up being a need for who's going to take care of their children. So that was kind of a theme that ran throughout, you know, the beginning of our history of childcare. So day nurseries started to develop in the mid to late 19th century as a place for poor women to send their children while they worked. And because of Jim Crow laws, they were still heavily segregated. Um, one example is the Howard Orphanage in Industrial School, which cared for the children of Black childcare workers who were out caring for white children that weren't their own. Um, also, for many, these day nurseries were used to assimilate immigrant children into American culture. And then eventually, the day nursery turned into what we do know of today as daycare and then more uh, familiarly childcare. And then I found two examples of day nurseries that I thought were really interesting. The first was the nursery school 
for Children of Poor Women, which opened in 1854 in New York City. It was in cooperation with the Children's Hospital of New York City, and it started out as a nursery for wet nurses to leave their children while they worked. So again, another example of leaving their own children to care for other children um, and leaving this huge gap, who's going to care for the children of the working women? So the goal of this nursery was to reduce, reduce the death rate among the wet nurses' children. And there were a couple of crazy rules that I thought I would share because it just is like shows a total example of the time and makes me realize how grateful I am that I don't live in <laughs> the 1850s. So the first rule of the nursery school was that proof of marriage and good character of the mother were required for admission of their children. Good character. Good character, I know. So that's, you know, up for interpretation. But And then the other rule, which is even wilder, was that if a pregnant woman could not pay for staying at the hospital, she had to wet nurse another child besides her own for three months after birth. Look, it's just like insane to think about. And if the woman's own child died, she had to wet nurse two children. It's just these like wild rules. Women hired to be wet nurses at the hospital, they were paid $5 a month. They received food, medical care, and education for her and her child. So um, really different from what we have going on here now. Very different. (laughs) The focus of the institution shifted quickly from daycare to medical care of neglected and abandoned infants and poor pregnant women. And over the years, the hospital would expand and offer more care to children of the poor in New York City and the surrounding area. That's one way we got started, kind of kind of tragic. But the other um, day nursery I found was called the Hull House, and it was established in 1889 by Jane Adams and Ellen Starr. And they started by just inviting people into the area to hear readings from books and to look at slides of paintings. And after talking to visitors from the neighborhood, it soon became clear that the women in the neighborhood had a desperate need for a place that they could bring their children that was safe. So Adams and Sarah decided to start a kindergarten and provide a room where the mothers could sit and talk. And then within three weeks, the kindergarten had enrolled 24 children, 70 more on the waiting list. So a day nursery was quickly formed there after that. So that's kind of a really nice example. I feel, you know, kind of what CCR and ours do. They listen to the needs of the community and deliver um, what is needed. Like clearly there was, you know, this, it sounds so nice to have a space for mothers to go to sit and talk. And also, you know, so important to have space for their children to be safe. Yeah. And I think that that's such a cool example because it's, it sort of shows like the dual need in childcare in general. You know, we talk about it a lot as being essential so that parents can go into, you know, like sort of the actual care of the child in terms of like versus being with, you know, a family member. But the other part of that is, you know, the, the, the child needs the interactions there. So, you know, as we get a little later in the timeline, I think we'll see that even more, but you know, it's so important that the child is receiving all the interactions that are specific to childcare and you cannot get in any other way. Right. Early education. 
I also like this one because it really emphasizes like the community, you know, yes, we need a safe place for children to go, but it's so childcare centers can be this hub for community connection, other families meeting and getting the support that they need. You know, it just came from them saying like, hey, we're going to read some children's books. Come, come on down. And now you have this whole community of people working towards the same goal. So so this was a, that was a more uplifting example than the first one. <laughs> that was a yeah. good one to cap it off with. But both interesting. Super interesting and really important to learn about, I think, when we're talking about the history of childcare and we see where we are now. So speaking of the history and looking at it compared to where we are now, the two that I picked out from the timeline are ones that I thought kind of echo in the year that we're in right now. Um, So the first one that I picked was in 1935, the New Deal Act included, which the New Deal Act was public and financial reforms that were done, um, relief programs under President Roosevelt. There was the Works Progress Administration, and as a result of this, they made nursery schools accessible to workers for the first time. They established almost almost 3,000 free nursery schools in 1933 and 34, and many of the WPA programs included the nursery schools for the preschool children so that their parents could work. These also usually worked in tandem with free lunch programs, so by the end of the Depression, the WPA had provided more than a billion free lunches to needy students. Uh, Mrs. Roosevelt was a huge advocate for children, so in her time there, the National Youth Administration was developed as a result of her. And the reason that I wanted to bring this up is we've been hearing a lot about universal child care, and this is one of the deep-rooted a universal care or um, a child care that was provided by the government to be able to assist families. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I found interesting was that in 1954, the child care tax was established. It was originally a deduction and it was for gainfully employed women, widowers, and legally separated or divorced men. And it was a maximum of $600 deductions for certain child care expenses. And then between 1954 and 1976, Congress made the deduction a credit, um, which changed it substantially, broadening who could, who could apply for it, who could use it. By 1964, Congress expanded the deductions so that husbands with incapacitated wives would be eligible. And then in 1971, everyone was allowed to. It's so interesting that it took until 1971. Like, you know, that's not that long ago. No. That it did not apply to everyone. And so much of that work, it's still happening today. Like so much of that work is, it, we're seeing it continue to grow. Yeah. Yeah, there were huge changes for the child care tax credit this past year. So I think it's interesting to see how how much it's evolved, but how it's still evolving even today. Yes, I'm going to talk about that. Well, a little bit. I'm just going to say exactly what you said, basically, but I'll say it again. So <laughs> the ones that I picked, the first one that I picked was the year 2000. So, you know, we're taking this all from a, a timeline um, that was kind of presented to us, but I thought that this was interesting. So in the year 2000 was really one of the first groundbreaking um, research studies on early brain developments. 
So after looking into it, there was some work before 2000. I'm sure everybody who's listening who was around then is like, yeah, we knew this before then. But really in 2000 is when, you know, the the strong research studies began. So I just think that that's fascinating that, you know, it was the year 2000. They did a lot of research on brain development. And I can think of so many ways that that's helped to move this profession forward and that allows educators to meet the specific needs of young children and their developing brains because, you know, really showed us as a group of people what's happening in the brain during that, you know, crucial time period of early childhood and how to respond to that in an early ed setting. And, you know, reading that, I was just thinking that almost everything we do here at Bright Side Up and other, you know, your child care council, every child care council really is rooted in that science. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what it means to be an early ed teacher is to know what, you know, what's happening there. You're building a brain and you have to do all of these, all of these things to do it. So that was 2000 that that happened. Um, and I think that it really kickstarted a lot. Yeah, crazy because like we were all born like 2000 is not that sure. long ago at all. Yeah, and there was some work before, but they put that on there as you know some of the real groundbreaking research, yeah. and you know we see even more of it today. So there's we're studying it all the time. You know, I mean, I'm not studying anybody's brain, although I would love to if anybody wants to give me a grant <laughs> to do that. But you know, I read a lot of the research. <laughs> That'd be a good podcast episode. That would be. <laughs> Rachel researches a brain. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I would love to do that. Nothing more would make me happy. (laughs) And then I wanted to just bring it sort of to the current moment with my last uh, date. So I was just going to talk about to 2020 and 2021. So um, this kind of goes back to some of what you said, Courtney, and just how we, you know, respond to childcare in the moment. Um, But in 2020, Congress provided states with supplemental funding for childcare that specifically addressed the impact of COVID-19. We can't leave COVID-19 out of a timeline here, you know, it's happening. And in 2021, Congress passed the American Rescue Plan Act. So that was, uh, you know, 100, or I'm sorry, $1.9 trillion um, of a relief package, but it designated $39 billion towards childcare. So like you just said, it, you know, reimagined and looked at the childcare tax credit and got that out to, you know, so many families in a moment of real need. And it also um, established the child care stabilization funds and a bunch of other things that are still sort of evolving. But I specifically wanted to talk about the child care stabilization funds because that is, I think, just a really clear example of what a CCRNR does. It can be found right in those stabilization grants because, you know, we're sort of you know, take you all back to 2020, 2021, only a year ago or so, but we're all, you know, living through this moment with our providers and seeing the needs that they have and the changes that are brought about both by, you know, just the progression of the field, but also by COVID specifically and the hardships that they were facing. And then this large sum of money is, sort of funneled into childcare, you know, in exactly the right moment when they need it. And what we did was we helped to facilitate it. So that's what we're there for is, you know, sort of just a way to make sure that the needs of our providers are being met. And, 
you know, stabilization grant for us, and I'm sure it's probably similar for you, Courtney, but I'll let you speak to it, is it was really an all hands on deck. You know, it, it was such a unifying moment for me. Um, I, you know, when we first learned about it and our executive directors explaining what's going to happen, we were so happy for our providers, you know, individually speaking to them and really feeling what this meant for them. And then, you know, working around the clock to make sure that those checks went out and that we could, you know, help people with sort of the the minutia of how to deal with the money and how to use it. And we had so many people here working on it. And it's just something that I'm really proud of for the world of childcare and CCRNR specifically. Oh, I absolutely agree. I think the past, um, through the pandemic, we've really had a good time to shine, um, is especially in our agency between the relationship building of talking to, you know, all of our providers, what do you need? What can we get for you? What, what supports do you need? Um, we were able to provide supplies through, um, the CARES Act funding through them. Um, and with the stabilization grants, a lot of them, we had already established some of their concerns about, you know, I'm taking these kids, but the parents can't pay me because they're out of work and they're looking for work or they're putting off bills because they're just, or whatever the cases may be, they had racked up a ton of debt trying to get through. And I think the stabilization grants came at the exact time that they needed it to be able to help them continue doing the job that they've done so well this entire time. And our, our child care system is more secure because of it and stable, I guess, because of it, because we really needed it. They needed it. Yeah. And that brings us to today. You know, we're, we're still sort of um, wading through some of those issues, but I'm also seeing just, I mean, we say it all the time, but just such wonderful advances in the world of childcare from where we started until here, you know, it's changing constantly and hopefully people can, you know, see that even in their own childcare, sort of the evolution there. Yeah. I think the newest, um, the newest thing that we're really working to dive into now in 2022 is the Child Care Deserts grant, which yes. that is pretty brand new. Um, the applications for it haven't even opened up yet, but it is basically investing startup funding to these new child care programs to help them with their expenses. Um, I guess it's not startup funding because they have to kind of open as a result or they have to open leading into it, but it's funding these brand new businesses and giving incentives for people who open child care programs, which we've never really seen before in this extent. It's this massive undertaking to have us be working out in the community to find people who are interested in becoming child care providers. And then and then now we get to help them. And on top of that, we get to say, now is the time for you to do it because listen, there's funding coming down too that's going to help you do the business that you want to do without having to worry about it. Um, so providing that funding, that support, getting people connected from out the gate with um, certain supports uh, written into the Child Care Desert Grant are things like quality stars. So participants have to be having a certain level of quality in their programs. They have to take certain trainings to make sure that they're held to a certain standard of um, business practices. So they're really getting these programs invested in being small businesses, which is what they are. And it's really exciting to be able to see and tell people that investments are being made in childcare. Yeah. And those investments lead to, you know, just such 
advancement, right? So you need the initial investment to continue with the advancement. And that all happens here at the CCRNR. You know, I, we can't take credit for all of it, of course, although I might try sometimes, but, you know, we we want to be involved in all of it because that's what creates safe and quality childcare for our youngest community members. You know, we talk so much about, you know, meeting the needs of our community. And what I think is really unique about Bright Side Up, and I am, imagine, you know, all CCRNRs really, is that zero to five children are community members. We see them that way, and we think of them in everything that we do, not just, you know, not to diminish, but not just the way that it affects their adults, but how does this affect them? And that's one of the guiding principles, I think, of, you know, CCR and ours and Bright Side Up for sure is that we want to give them a voice. You know, our, you know, we always say a world where all children are understood. And that's exactly what we're trying to do in all ways is find safe places for them to grow and learn and to make sure that all of their adults are supported so that they can, you know, have the best childhood experience that they can. And I think it's just, it's so interesting to think of how far child child care has come and how it's always served such, you know, an important purpose, like throughout all of the different points of history, you know, there, it did what it needed to do mostly and it continues to. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's wonderful that things are being recognized more now, especially knowing, knowing where the humble beginnings are, I guess. Um, so it's it's wonderful to see investments starting to be made uh, on a large scale. So how I was thinking of, you know, how to sort of wrap this up and how we could kind of put a little bow on this episode. And, you know, we were all talking about this earlier and we thought that it would be fun to just share a story from our childcare community. So from a provider in the community you know, they're, we've said this multiple times, even just in this episode, but they're the reason that we do all of these things. And they're the reason that we can do all these things, you know, that we know all of this. Um, So I thought maybe I could just share sort of my, the last exciting thing that I've seen kind of coming through childcare. There's so many stories, but this one just happened last week. So maybe I can start and then kick over to you, Courtney. Okay. So um, I didn't get to reach out to this provider yet, so I won't use her name, but if she responds to me, then we could, I don't know, plug it in somewhere if she wants to. I I don't know that she would, but I was recently um, training infection control. So I was doing it via Zoom and, you know, it's a training that I love to train. I'm, you know, I'm a nurse, but I think that, you know, it's just so important. It's sort of the basis of a lot of what we do in our program. So I get real into it and I love it. So I'm um, doing the whole training and then it gets to the very end, you know, and I'm feeling really good about everything that I brought and I'm hoping that maybe they took some ideas. And of course, the best idea of the night is going to come from a childcare provider because <laughs> they're the ones doing it. But I ask, you know, does anybody have any questions? There's a few questions. And then a childcare provider who runs um, a family childcare said, well, I just want to show you something. So she gets out this puppet that she had made brilliant and it looks like a little germ and it goes on her hand it's made of a sock sort of and inside the sock she puts a spray bottle so she teaches the children through this little germy guy on her hands about you know covering your mouth when you sneeze so she has this whole little lesson about you know germs and how they're spread and then she's holding him and he's telling the lesson and really engaging the children 
And then he sneezes and she sprays him with a bottle of water. So the children feel the spray and they can feel the sneeze, you know, they think hit them. And I just thought, what a brilliant way to teach a really hard concept. And that's what, you know, that's what I'm trying to do. And, you know, to adults, but these amazing people are doing it for like the smallest of our community members. And she did it such a great way. I'm sure they all, well, probably don't always cover their, their mouths when they sneeze, but she definitely taught it in a more clear way than I would. And he was so cute as her little germ. That is so creative. I, so I, love cool that. Incredible. I love that. I love that. I asked for permission to steal it in general because now I'm going to make them for everybody. This is going to be across all the capital region. You'll see your little germs coming. Everybody needs a sneezing germ guy. Yeah. (laughs) So smart. Honestly, it speaks to a very similar thing. It's just that childcare providers are like so resourceful and creative. So um, one of our childcare providers uh, wanted wanted to get a light box for the kids to be able to experiment with seeing different shapes and things, but but they're expensive. Um, so what she ended up doing was she got a clear um, clear storage tote blacked out the sides of it um, with spray paint and then left the top clear still and then took one of those um, pop lights, the ones where you touch it and it turns on and put that underneath the tote um, so that it was basically on and shining light up through, but the sides were black. So it basically created from, you know, the dollar store. It was like a $5 project between the spray paint, the tote and the pop light to make a light box so that the kids could get that experience without her having to shell out, you know, hundreds of dollars for an actual light box. And we have, we hear about this kind of thing constantly of providers making making things out of what they have so that the kids get the experience for it. Um, And, you know, we live in a more rural community. We don't have a ton of um, higher income. I mean, we do have, they exist, but there are a lot of, most of our childcare providers are not the highest of income. So that resourcefulness comes through in a lot of our childcare programs of making things, you know, making mud kitchens out of, um, out of thrift store, old pots and pans and things like that. So we see a lot of resourcefulness in our childcare providers. Yeah, it's similar. I think that, you know, just they, it shows such a depth of knowledge of what the children need, Mm -hmm. you know, developmentally in that moment in terms of education and then resourcefulness to figure out how to do it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I have one to wrap up. Oh, you have one too. I have one. I know. I just want to share because. <laughs> oh, uh, please do. I just wasn't expecting it. I thought I was I know. for all of really us. throwing you out of there. Um, <laughs> this was like, oh God, three or four years ago. And it's just like, I think it is so brilliant. I was working at one of the childcare centers in the Albany area. And this teacher put up a picture of Obama and then had a phone that didn't work, you know, like an old like rotary phone. And she used this space. She called it Tell Obama Your Drama. So she used this space, you know, kids, you know, preschoolers are always like tattletaling, like he poked me. She did this to my shoe. You know, like some of the things need to be addressed, but a lot of them could go into the Obama drama phone and then no one has to, you know, it just goes to that space and they know that they have this phone to talk to. And I thought it was so brilliant 
so cute. And I wanted her to figure out a way to record what goes into the Obama drama. Because I thought that would be hysterical. That is incredible. But I just, it's just, it's so creative and it, you know, solves the problem. And the kids really liked it. You know, they were like, okay, yeah, I'm going to make my phone call to the president. (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) I have a... Yeah. yeah, I have a very dramatic toddler at home, and I think he needs an Obama drama phone yes. in our house, in his bedroom, because I think he's got a lot of phone calls to make. <laughs> yeah, he might be very busy, yeah. Oh, so sweet. All right, well, I know that I learned a lot about CCRNRs during this episode, and I hope that all of our listeners did too, and especially about the history of how we got to where we are today. So, you know, I just want to thank Courtney and Child Care Council Chit Chat for doing this collaboration episode with us here at Home and Classroom. It's been really fun. Yeah, this has been awesome. Thank you guys for having the idea to collaborate. I think this was an awesome idea. And I think we shared a lot of information about what we do. Yeah. So, you know, make sure if you're listening, you check out the other podcasts, similar veins, but, you know, you could just expand upon whatever you're learning and the one that you're listening to. And then, of course, If any of uh, the services that we spoke about sound good to you, maybe you didn't know we do some of those things, just give us a call. Any child care counsel, just call us whatever you want to learn about or explore or a problem you might have. If we can't address it, we'll know who to send you to. So please use us. We love hearing from you and tell us anything you've made with resourceful objects. You might make the podcast. We love it. We love it. (laughs) Okay, well, thanks, Courtney. It was fun. Yes, thank you.